You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. It's good to see you today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we'll be there in just a moment. Man, I'm excited about our series and what God is doing and and how he's really shaping um, my thought life uh, through this experience. And last week we began uh, with this series and we learned that how we think really determines how we live. And so uh, when we look at Proverbs 23 verse 7, it says, as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. So what you think in your mind, what you think uh, about yourself is, is really who you become. It's really who you are today. And so our thought life really matters. Our life tends to move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so whatever I'm thinking about the most, whatever I'm spending the most energy on thinking and, and being mindful of, that's the direction my life will usually follow. And so it's, it's vital, it's important that you and I begin to think through what it is we're actually thinking about. Um, and, and so if we're thinking that life is going to be bad, chances are we're going to experience the badness of life. If we think our kids are going to act uh, bad or have bad behavior, chances are we're going to see their bad behavior. If we, we don't think we have anything to offer in life, chances are we won't make a difference in the world. On the flip side, if you think you can, you probably will. If you think there are opportunities out there for you, you'll, you'll probably see those opportunities and so how we think really determines the direction of our life, and it really de- determines the quality of our life. And so as we, as we began last week, I, I closed with a challenge that you would write down one habit that you want to quit, a bad habit, or one habit you think you need to start in your life, and write it on a post-it note, and then we put it on the think board in the lobby. And so I uh, read some of those. Those are great out there. And if you didn't get a chance to do that, I want to encourage you to do that today. Uh, the, the post notes are on the wall out there and you can add those. And, and this is important. I want to encourage you to do it because it's going to serve as a reminder. It's going to be the cue. Uh, it's going to be the visual that's going to trigger your thought life to, oh yeah, I've got a goal. I've got a target. I've got something that I, I, God has led me to do. And that's going to lead you um, uh, on down uh, the course of actually changing that and applying that to your life. And as we go through this series, you'll see uh, why and, and how that's going to be important. So I encourage you to do that. Today, I want to focus on the truth that nothing is different until you think different. So no matter what you experience in life, uh, you know, what, what you want to change, if you want your marriage to change, if you want your life to change in whatever direction, if you want your finances to change, Whatever it is that you want to seek change in your life, you want something different, nothing is going to change until you first begin to think differently about that change. Um, I mentioned this book last week, The Organized Mind by Daniel Levitin. In his book, he really uh, pulls out, I think, what is a reality in our life, and that is that our brains are overloaded uh, with information today. Uh, Our brains are busier than ever before Most of us are doing more work today than ever before. Uh, The promise of a computerized society with with either laptops, computers, the internet, all this technology promised us that life would be simpler and, and easier. But we've all found that it's a lie. It's not easier. It's not simplified. It's actually more complicated. And there's more things grasping for our attention and more things grasping for our energy in life. And so as we live in this information overloaded society, we have facts coming our way, you know, via Twitter and Facebook and 
watching the news and our friends and all the radio stations. And so all these facts are flying our way. And so our brain has to decide what's true and, and what's a rumor, what's a lie. And then we have to process all of this information. And yeah, our brain can process this, but it actually comes with a cost. We're trying to figure out our schedules and we're trying to, to do more things today than humans have ever done in the course of history. We're doing the job of, of 10 different people when you think about it. And so the challenge of keeping up with your activities has become a huge challenge. It's become a huge challenge to keep up with your life, your career, your kids, you know, your friends, the TV shows you want to watch. All of these things are vying for your attention and, and, and just really complicating and, and overcrowding your attention. So it's no wonder when we forget where we put our keys. You know, where do we do with our keys? We can't ever find them. Where's the remote? We can't remember our spouse's birthday. We forget things all the time. We forget important meetings. And you're like, how could I have forgotten that meeting? Well, there's so many different um, and, and information outlets that are bombarding our minds that it is hard to keep up with all of this information. It's hard for our brains to, to keep up and organize all of this information. And so as a result, we become unaware of many things that are happening around us. Psychologists call this inattentional blindness. And what that simply means is our, because our brains can only focus on so much at a time, there are things that could be right in front of our eyes that we are blind to. We, we don't see them. We don't experience them. And it happens on a subconscious level in our brain. It's not like we're choosing to ignore our wife when she's talking to us while we're watching the game. You know, we would like to engage with her, but it's really hard to, to watch the replay and listen to her at the same time. It's almost really an impossibility. And so as a result, we've got some blind spots um, that, that are taking place. And so before we go any further today, I wanted you guys to take a test with me. Um, so put down all your phones and, and pencils and all this kind of stuff. And, and let's turn our attention to the screen and, and just follow the directions that come up on this video. Here we go. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? Absolutely. <clears throat> it's easy to miss things, isn't it? How many of you guys missed the dancing bear the first go around? Practically everybody. If you saw it the first go around, you probably didn't count uh, the right number of passes. And, and this, is the, this is the scientific reality of how God created our brains. We can only focus on a certain amount of information. And when we are asked to identify how many passes the team makes, we are uh, intentionally focused on the passes and thereby missing the dancing bear, the moonwalking dancing bear, we're totally blind to it. Now think about this. If in a world and society that is overloaded with information and technology, 
when we are bombarded with making decisions about what shampoo to buy and what kind of bread to buy, wheat bread or, or whole wheat bread, should we go gluten or non-gluten? And, and, and where are we gonna send our kids to school and where, how are we gonna pay for that? And, and the millions and millions of other decisions that we have to make every single day, if we are bombarded with all of these concepts and we allow our mind to just wash around all of them, isn't it obvious that there are potentially some blind spots in your life today? some things that are right in front of your face and you are missing them. We spend so much energy and time on success and success and work and let's make money and and we miss the children that are actually living in our house and before we know it, they're graduating and leaving and we miss the spouse that we come home to every day and their needs because we're so driven and focused on the task. I'm counting how many passes the white team is making. I don't see all the different things that are in my life today. See, I think there's a huge problem in our world with, with our culture right now. I think the enemy is using this, um, uh, uh, the fact that we, we can't uh, process all of this information and organize it well. And so the enemy will, will bombard us and continue to, to show us you know, that we need this product and we better change in order to be happy. And, and we've got to check Twitter and we've got to check Facebook and all these things have to happen because he knows if our mind is engaged in all of this stuff, then we'll, we won't focus or see the blind spots and we won't, we won't focus on the eternal things of life. And so to keep us busy and unaware, I think he's doing a good job, but I also think that we can overcome this. Our brains are wired in such a way that, that we can only really make good decisions, a certain amount of good decisions every day. There comes a point in, in our processing of our brain that it just begins to fatigue and it's, it, it, it just gets tired. Um, what we know about our brains from, from this book, from uh, Levitin's book, he says that neurons are living cells in our brain. They're, they require metabolism. They require energy, glucose, um, oxygen to, to be able to um, uh, establish themselves and be able to function properly. And so when, when we are working hard on making all these decisions, we are draining the energy in our brains, and so you've come home from work and you've just felt physically and mentally just exhausted because you've been working on a problem. You've been trying to solve something and your brain has just been completely focused on that situation. And so you're, you're just exhausted and you've, we've all experienced that because our brains really function just like, you know, a, a muscle almost when, when we exercise that muscle and we, it just gets fatigued and, and, and tired. And so every Facebook status that you check is zapping your energy mentally, your brain power. Every Twitter feed that you uh, uh, check and, and every text message you send, all of these things, all of these decisions that you're making, when you're standing at Kroger's and you're, you're trying to decide what product to buy, there's 50 million kinds of toothpaste, which one? I don't know, just choose one. But every time we spend energy on that, it is zapping our mental capacity, our, our mental energy. And so my point is with all this information, all these things going on in our life, our, our thought life is overwhelmed. We're spending way too much time thinking about trivial matters and not enough time thinking about eternal matters. We spend so much mental energy at work that we come home, our brain is, is physically zapped to be, able to, to be able to engage with our spouse. We're, we're so mentally fatigued that we don't have any energy for our kids. 
We're so mentally engaged in success that we haven't sat down to ask God what he wants to do in our life and and we're not aware of his presence. We're not aware of what he's doing. We're we're not sitting down and and just really thinking about who God is and, and what he's doing in this life and we just keep living life one event to the next event to the next event and life is just passing us by very, very quickly. We begin to live what we would call reactionary life versus an intentional life. So reactionary life is someone who just spends all their time responding to life and circumstances. The things that come your way, you're just responding and reacting to them instead of being intentional on the front end. For instance, um, instead of waiting until your, your marriage is hanging by a thread and somebody is ready to divorce you or to leave you and then reacting and saying, okay, we need to go to counseling. We actually beforehand become intentional in our marriage and we create boundaries in our marriage. We create a a spiritual growth plan for our marriage so that we would would be able to grow that and prevent those things from even uh, entering into the conversation. Instead of just reacting when you, uh, after a heart attack and to then get into shape and to eat well and those kinds of things, how about on the front end, just decide to eat healthy today. Just decide to become healthy today and, and, and not even have to face the heart attack. I think too many of us are just living a reactionary life versus being intentional in our marriages, being intentional in our finances, being intentional with our health, and, and instead, we just respond to all the problems that come our way. And, and so then we're just kind of wrapped up in this vortex of just craziness. And, and one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Our brains are fatigued. You come to church and you hope to get energized. You hope to, you know, to, to get focused. And you do, but it only lasts for a season. You know, maybe a few hours afterwards or, or, or maybe a day. And by, by Tuesday, it's like back on the same treadmill of life where you're totally focused on everything else. And, and haven't thought through what God is doing in your life at all. So how do we change the way that we think? How, how do we control the way that we, we think? And how do we focus on the right things and, and leave behind the things that are not important? Let's start in Romans chapter 8 to help us get to that point. Romans 8 verses 5 and 6 says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So let's just talk about what we're setting our mind to today. How do we we begin to control the way that we think, control our thought life? The first thing I would say is very simple. Set your mind on the Spirit. Set your mind on the Spirit. So what does that mean, Trent? Does that mean you're just walking around thinking, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit? Nope, can't think I'm thinking Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Of course not. It simply means to set your mind on the Holy Spirit is, first off, you're aware of the presence of God around you. I'm aware of the presence of God. And so I know that he's here and I'm verbalizing that he's here. And so when events and things happen in my life, I'm giving him credit. I'm, I'm saying, you know what, God has led me here. I'm, I'm using that terminology and that verbiage. God is leading. God is doing this. God is here. So when I'm in an, uh, there's a tense moment in my marriage and we're, you know, we're, we're disagreeing about something, I'm aware of God's presence. And so, so that, that helps control my reaction. God's presence is here. And, and then I can celebrate, you know, God really led us through this conversation. It was tense, but God's spirit was here and, and he led us. I was almost in an accident a few weeks ago, um, almost got 
you know, T-bone, and it, it would have been really, really bad, and, 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 and we walked away from that, and I was just like, you know, it wasn't because of my cat-like reflexes. It was because God's presence was there. God, he, he was there, and he, he was protecting me, and I, I give him all the credit um, in that situation. Very scary. So, so I'm aware of God's presence around me at work, and so I go to work, and, and I'm aware of God's presence. He's here. He's in me. And, and so then I move from not only just being aware of his presence, but then I'm, I'm aware of how he's leading me. So I'm thinking about, God, how are you leading me at work? Who needs to be encouraged today? Who can I invite to church today? God, who, who can I share that truth that I learned on Sunday morning with today? And how can I have that conversation? And I'm, I'm thinking about how God is leading me. Sometimes we only think about what God wants us to do or how he's leading us when there's a problem or when I want something. I want a new job. God, where are you leading me? Big decision, big move. Yeah, I'm gonna go to God. But what about all the small things in life, all the little decisions in life that we're making and the things that we're doing? How is God leading us in those areas? How is God leading you as a single person? You know, is it, is it totally uh, just transfixed upon, I need a spouse, I need a spouse, I need a spouse? Or are you thinking about how God is gonna use you as a single person in the church and in his ministry? Are you, are you thinking about where God is uh, leading and, and, and what he is doing in your life as you, you know, go to the gym, as you're, you know, taking care of business at work. You're at home. How is he leading me? And as I think about this, I'm becoming more intentional about God's leadership, becoming more intentional about how I think. And I'm, I'm setting my mind on the spirit. I'm setting my mind on the spirit because now I'm in God's word. And, and as I read his word, the spirit of God speaks to me and it, it fills my mind and it, it floods my heart. And, and I, I hear the truth, I read the truth and it transforms me as I, as I think about it. I don't just flippantly, you know, you know, rifle through my Bible and just pick a verse and hope that it's gonna speak to me. I pick a book and I read through it systematically. It'd be amazed at how the spirit of God begins to teach you and grow you as you systematically read through the Bible and see and hear God's truth. And that's setting my mind on the things of God. And I, and I, and I read one or two verses and then I say, how does this apply to my life? And then I see, okay, here's, here's a way that it applies and, and here's how it can begin to transform me. And then I ask God, God, help this to happen and be a reality in my life. And all these things are part of, of setting my mind on the spirit of God. But the opposite is to set our minds on, on the things of the flesh. And, and when we set our minds on the things of the flesh, the worldly desires that we have, the sin that we have in, in our life, the past problems that we have, the negative thoughts that we might have about ourselves or about life in general, these are toxic thoughts. These are, these are toxic things that are happening inside of our minds. And, and the Bible says that those thoughts and, and, and that type of mindset leads to death. Now, to set your mind on the spirit leads to peace, leads to life. I think I'll take that as opposed to setting my mind on the things of the flesh, which leads to death, which leads to hostility towards God and, and all the other things we'll read in just a moment. Dr. Caroline Leaf is a, is a cognitive neuroscientist, and um, I encourage you to look her up and see her stuff. It's some really interesting, amazing things. And she, she says over the last 10 to 15 years, uh, scientists have been able to discover more about the brain than they ever have before just because of technology and, and how they can study uh, the different parts of the brain. And, and, and here's a few things that she says. Has anybody ever been sick around you and you've said to them or they've said to you because you're sick, they've, they've said something like, you're, it's all in your head, you're sick and it's just all in your head. You know, anybody ever said that? 
She says that 87% of all illnesses in, in life are due to our thought life. Now that's pretty powerful. Like our thought life has that much potential to lead us into unhealthy places in life. She says that our thoughts and our memories are actually living cells in our brain. This was fascinating to me. She says that these, these memories that we have are, are, that, that are in our brain look kind of like trees. And the bigger the tree is, the more branches and, 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 and the further the roots are, the smarter you are or the more vivid that memory is. And she says that as we think about that specific thought, as we, as we are mindful about that specific memory, we're sending energy and nutrients to those cells, oxygen, the glucose, and all the other things that those cells need in order to grow and to flourish. And so if I'm thinking about, you know, how much I love my wife and, and I think about all the good things about my wife, then those thoughts actually grow. Those cells actually grow. And, and it's almost like a, a pattern that just weaves in, in, in the very fabric of our, of our minds and our, and our brains. And it actually grows. It's a fascinating, fascinating thing. She says the same is true for our toxic thoughts. So the thoughts in my mind that are, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not handsome enough, I, I'm never going to do this, I'm never going to do that, I feel, I'm, I'm feeling sick, I'm bad, that bad memory that we keep thinking about, that is actually a group of cells as well, formed just like a good thought. And as we think about those bad memories, as we think about that pain, we're actually sending nutrients to those thoughts, to those brain cells. She says to overcome those brain cells, we need to put them to death. Very interesting. The same thing the scripture says. In order to, to, to eliminate those thoughts, to overcome those bad memories and those toxic thoughts, we put them to death. Um, think, think about it like this. The other day, my, my girls asked me how I proposed to, to my wife, Micah, how I proposed to their mother. And so I, I thought about those memories and I was like, here's what happened that night and here's what, what I did. And as I think about those memories and those, those thoughts, my brain releases chemicals into my body. It's called the hypothalamus. It's the part of our brain that's the chemical factory of our brain, releasing all kinds of chemicals. We know of, of six or seven very powerful ones, but there are, they believe there are hundreds more that we still don't even know about. And so one of them is dopamine. You've probably heard of this. And so when I think about that memory and I think about all the feelings and emotions that went into that night, it was just an awesome, awesome experience. And so my, my brain releases that chemical into my body. It gives me the feeling of relaxation and, and of happiness, those, that, that happy feeling. And, and, and so, so when I experience those, that, that's a good feeling. Now, the same is true when I think about a painful memory. When I think about a painful memory of rejection or, or what, whatever in my life, I, my, my brain releases chemicals as well into my body that cause my blood pressure to rise, that cause my, my heart rate to rise, my, my sweat glands to open up and I can begin to sweat just because of a thought. I mean, if you triggered one of those painful memories in your life right now, you would begin to experience the physical effects. Why? Because your brain releases these chemicals. And so if I allow my mind to be set on the things of the flesh, and if I allow my mind to think about these painful memories, these negative thoughts, my brain is going to continue to release these, these chemicals into my body, which essentially could ultimately change your heart rate, can, can change your blood pressure, maybe your cholesterol. We don't even know how much it could change our bodies, but we go back to the 
of, of all illness, illnesses are due to what our thought life really looks like, it can all begin to make sense. Our body's experiencing these bad chemicals over and over on a regular basis leads to an unhealthy life. So now we really see, even scientifically, how valuable and how important it really is to control our thought life, to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. These chemicals regulate the systems in our body. Some of our systems are all out of whack. Doctors give us drugs to counterbalance some of those things, which may or may not be helping. It may be even worsening. Could it, could it be that, that it really all stems right here in my mind? Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Let's look at the next few, several verses. Let's go back to verse uh, 7. Nothing is different until you think different. Verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. All right, so if your mind is set on toxic thoughts, if your mind is set on the, the sinful behaviors in your life and, and, and the desire to continue to experience those sinful thoughts and sinful behaviors, you are becoming more and more hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. The more we set our minds on the things of this world, the more hostile we become to God's law and what God wants to do in my life. How God says he, that, that we experience true life how God teaches us that we experience forgiveness and hope and peace in our life. We reject that. We think we have our own ways. Indeed, it cannot. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We can't please God when our minds are set on the things of the flesh. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So now he's talking about those who are believers today. He says, if, if, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So when we receive Christ into our life, he gives us life. He gives us hope. He gives us peace. He gives us, even though our bodies are dying, he gives us life. Yes, in this world, and he gives us life, the promise of life in the afterlife. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Where do we get life? Through the spirit. You don't get life through success, guys. You don't get life through, you know, how many vacations you take and how much money you make and how popular and pretty your kids are. You get life through the Spirit of God. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, so we're setting our minds on the spirit and all the things I've already discussed. And we're also putting to death those thoughts in our life that are contrary to God's word, that are negative toxic thoughts, that are focused on the world, focused on you know, our selfish agenda and not upon the things of the spirit. We're putting those thoughts to death. Just as Dr. Caroline Leaf is saying, we can put those memories and those things that are in our, we can put them to death. By not allowing those thoughts to, to grow in our minds. Physically, we can, we can cause them to die in our minds. We can put them literally to death. If you will take every thought captive 
if you will not allow yourself to dwell on those thoughts, and if you'll be intentional about directing your thoughts upon the Spirit of God. Let's continue, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we're setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. We're putting to death the deeds of the body, the, the sinful uh, thoughts, the, 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 the evil things that we are allowing ourselves to experience. We're putting those things to death. And the second point I would say today is that we set our mind on our new identity because this is, the, this is what helps us control our thought life. This is what helps us really, really focus our thought life and, and, and really motivates us to be intentional because we are, it says here, adopted children of God. We are sons of God through Jesus. That means that God chose you. You weren't just, you, you just didn't show up in this world and, and, and because, you know, you were so-and-so or you, you look a certain way that, that God just, you know, allowed you into, you know, his family. Everybody who is a believer in Christ is adopted into the family. That's the only way we get in. We're adopted. He chooses us and he says, I want you. That means a lot of different things for us. It means first and foremost that we have a father that loves us. Some of you don't know what that means or how that feels because your dad's not around emotionally. He never really was the kind of guy that, that cared for you and loved uh, you know, as you were a kid. And, and so you don't really, you don't really know what that means. Uh, really feels like from an earthly standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint, you absolutely do and can. He says that we go to our Father, we call him Abba Father. What, what that word means, Abba, is just a very intimate way of describing God. God is not some old man sitting in a rocker chair upstairs with a whip every time you mess up. Pow! Told you not to do that, you idiot. You know? That's not how God acts. That's not, he's not that cosmic being up in the, you know, realm of the universe, just, you know, ignoring what's happening in our life. He is our Abba Father. In other words, in our language, it would be he's our daddy. He's our papa, you know. So it's a very intimate, loving relationship there. That's how deep that relationship can go, that we can get to that point to where we can call him and experience his love as a daddy. He calls us children of God, adopted children of God. We're, 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 uh, we have a daddy that loves us. And, and secondly, he says, you're not a slave to your, your sin. You're not a slave to your, your memories. He says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have a, received a spirit of adoption. Some of us get kind of focused, yeah, we need to quit this and we're good for a week or two. Then we fall right back into the bad habit, into that sinful behavior. And it's like this cycle that you live in constantly that you're just running this treadmill and I'm good for a day or two and then I'm back into it. What's the deal? You, we are not slaves to our sin. We are not slaves to our memories, our painful thoughts. The unforgiveness that is in your, your heart today is, is not there because you are a slave to that sin or, or to that unforgiveness. He has given you a spirit to overcome those, those thoughts, those, those toxic behaviors in your life, those toxic patterns of thinking in your mind. He calls us to set our mind on the spirit. He calls us to set our mind on our new identity. And he says that we are heirs. 
We're children of God, and that means that, that we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. That means that we inherit all the promises of God. All the promises in this book, we inherit. They belong to us. We can claim them. They are ours. We inherit the, the love of God, the, the promises of God. And this is encouraging. This is God's love. This is God's strength. This is God's power in our life. And if I can set my mind on the spirit, if I can set my mind on my new identity in Christ and and I'm thinking in that direction, when I'm focused and intentional on the spirit, then listen, my brain doesn't have time to be aware of the gorillas in my life. I don't even see them. It's a blind spot. I don't even think about that bad memory anymore. That's not who I am. That's who I was, that's not who I am. That painful experience where I messed up and I failed. Every now and then it wants to come in and do a moonwalk in my mind. But you know what? My mind is set on the spirit and what he's doing in my life. I'm a a chosen son of God. I've got the promises of God. He's given me power to overcome and I'm living for him and I'm focused on him. And as I do, I have life, I have peace, I have have joy and, and, and God has wired physically our brain to work this way to work in such a way that when I am focused on the spirit and when I am moving in the direction of his work and when I'm thinking about everything we talked about last week whatever's lovely whatever is good whatever is holy as my mind is focused on that direction and moving in that direction then the blind spots become those bad memories those sins those things that want to repeat themselves in my mind I'm not a slave to that I can overcome that. I can change the way I think about that sin. That sin's not bringing me happiness. That sin's not helping my marriage. That sin's not making me feel good. That sin's killing my marriage. That sin's killing me. That, that, that sin is actually causing my brain to release other chemicals into my body, which is in effect killing me. When it's focused on the flesh, it leads to death. That's what the Bible says. And, and so we have to change the way we think if we want to experience change. This is huge. This is, this is where, where our minds and, and the battlefield of our mind it really, really matter. When our minds are set on the flesh, it says, that it, leads, it says it leads to death. It says it leads to hostility towards God. We don't submit to God. We can't please God. And the ultimate result of that is an unhappy, unsuccessful, no peace life. Turmoil, depression, sickness. The list goes on. Colossians 3, 5 says the same thing. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put it to death. It's leading to death. It's leading to unsuccess and unhappiness in your life. It's causing all kinds of problems that we don't even, we're not even aware of in our bodies. Nothing is different until you think different. So what I've asked you guys to do um, shared this last week, is starting tomorrow, um, our fast begins as a church. If you weren't here last week, I'm, I'm challenging everybody to do a cultural fast and a biblical fast. The cultural fast is, is a fast from something in, in culture that's taken up a lot of your time that you can use in, in order to set your minds on the things of the Spirit. So, so a lot of people are giving up social media, a lot of people are giving up TV, maybe cell phones from certain times in the day, um, giving up email, those kinds of things. We're gonna, we're gonna fast from those things for 21 days so that we can create some space in our minds and our brains to not be so overwhelmed and bombarded with information so that we can begin, become aware of the spirit in our life, so we can focus on his 
his movement and his work in our life. And then secondly, the biblical fast is a fast from food. And so uh, one person is doing a 21-day fast from food. Um, I encourage you to think about what that looks like for you, maybe one day. Some people are doing every Monday for the next three weeks. Some people are doing three days in a row or two days, whatever it is. Um, God is, God, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to do this. I know from a biblical standpoint, God calls us to do this from time to time in our life. He never says how many times or, or exactly when to do it, but it is a practice in the scripture. And so um, if you don't know um, a lot of information about it, go on our website, uh, foothillschurch.com slash think. You can read a lot of articles on fasting, and, and uh, there's a sermon that I preached last year that can uh, help you understand it a little bit more. But I want to encourage you to do it, to pursue godliness and holiness in your life, to see uh, what God wants to do and can do, and, and to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Here's the next thing I want you to do, because that was already a challenge from last week. So the new challenge is this. So everybody wrote a habit they want to quit or start. Um, on the post-it note, here's, the, here's step two of how to overcome these things in your life and to change the way that you think and that, that are going to change your behaviors. Um, and it's this. I want you to think of one word that will be your theme word for the year. This is the one word that you're going to come back to um, in, in, over the summer, um, in the fall, all year long. This is going to be your word that draws you back to what you want to accomplish that's written on that post-it note out there. So maybe that word is just the word selfless because right now uh, you're living a selfish life. And maybe you're a dad and, and you're being selfish with your time and your energy and your thought life and you're selfish when it comes to your wife. And so selfless is your word. Uh, I want to encourage you to, to find a verse that would, would teach you what it looks like to be selfless. So what's the word that's going to be your theme? What's the verse that's going to go along with that? And maybe you even come up with a phrase, you know, a phrase that's going to remind you, I'm less of me and more of him, less of me, more of him in my life. And that's going to be something that you're going to think about all year long. You're going to write it down on paper, put it on your mirror in your bathroom, put it in your car. You're going to see it regularly. You're going to see the post-it note. It's going to remind you. You're going to go back to your words, selfless, 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 selfless. That's what you're going to do to begin to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. When you're tempted to be selfish and you're tempted to yell at your wife, you're, God's going to bring that word to your mind, selfless, selfless, selfless. When your daughter wants to uh, have a tea party with you, you know, and you're like, the game is on, but she wants to have a tea party and your God's going to bring, you know, selfless, selfless. Let's go have a tea party, babe. Maybe your word is love because you're just not loving your spouse. You're not loving your kids uh, in, a, in a way that would bring glory to God. Maybe your word is the word generous. You're kind of living a selfish, stingy life, and so generous is your word, and, and, and you're going to say things like it's more blessed to give than to receive, and, and you're going to find a verse about generosity, and, and you're just going to look at generous, generous, generous. That's going to be your theme word. Maybe it's just the word overcomer, because sin has just got its grips upon you, and, and you keep going back in the same train of thought. You keep falling into the same bad habits and your word is overcomer. I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. And I have not been given a spirit of slavery, but I have been given a spirit of, of just overcoming the, the, the bounds of, of, of sin in my life. And so your, your word is overcomer, overcomer. What's your verse? Your theme word and your verse. Here's what I know. If you want to change your life, you've got to change the way you're, you think. Because your thoughts create words. Words create actions. Actions create habits. And then habits create results. Um, I don't know where God um, is placed in your life today. I don't know what he's calling you to do. 
but I want to encourage you to focus on the thing, the one thing that God is calling you to change and, and pursue him like never before as a church. As a church, as we fast and as we seek him, I'm, I'm praying that he does incredible things in our lives individually and corporately. Let me close with this verse. Psalm 77, 11 and 12, the New Living Translation says, But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Oh man, what a, what a powerful way to live our life. To constantly think about the mighty works of God. To have him on our mind. To see him working around us and how powerfully it would impact our life. Physically, our health, our relationships to put him in the place of authority in our life. I think ultimately, when we set our minds on the spirit, the Bible says that it leads to life and to peace. When I counsel with people and I talk to them about their life and deal with problems and issues, it really all boils down to this idea of life and peace. They're not experiencing true life and there's some form of, of, of something in their life that's causing them not to be peaceful. They're, they're not at rest. This is what the Spirit of God promises us, that we, would, that we would be peaceful despite the storms around us, despite the circumstances around us. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.